Welcome back to the Hemingway List, Year of War and Peace. We are talking about Book 1, Chapter 15. Who's ready for a feast and enter the dragon? Why do you think she took it upon herself to call everyone to the table? Seemed a bit odd to me that um, a guest would sort of take the honour of calling everyone to the table. Um, got a comment. I don't often get a comment on the podcast. Get lots of comments on Reddit. Don't often get a comment through like the Podbean app, but every now and then someone will comment on the podcast via the Podbean app. And that happened a few hours ago by Lay uh, Lay Larrod. Lay Larrod. Uh, they said, just discovered your podcast as I was looking for someone to read me War and Peace, and I'm so glad to be jumping on at the beginning. I only got as far as the first few chapters, but I really hope you go, you're going to carry on with your translation. By using slang, you have to get to the core of what's going on, what people are thinking, etc. It really helps me understand the book. I have CFS, so any help with understanding is always welcome, hence needing a reading. It's very funny, too. And then there are some choice emojis at the end of the message. Thank you, Leila Red, for that comment. Much appreciated. Hope you do keep enjoying the podcast and the uh, the Bogan translation, which I have been working on a little bit over here on my holiday. Um, but my one chapter per day thing um, has definitely fallen a bit behind. So we'll just have to see how we go with the um, if I can keep up with the daily readings. If I can't, there's no big deal. If I can't, what I'll do is. I will sort of maybe say, okay, the next week of podcast, I'm going to be reading Maud. And at the end of that week, I'll go back and, you know, just go back and forth. But my aim is to stay ahead. All right. Um, what are we doing here? Uh, grape, grape, <laughs> grumpy, grumpy Shakespearean said, Pierre continues to be awkward and I continue to enjoy it. Shin Shin, what fun he is. He enjoys combining the lowest brow Russian with the finest French. I love him already. Not for the first time I wish it was possible for me to read this in Russian. I really enjoy Maya as a character, but in real life I would find her both obnoxious and terrifying. Oh, this is the dragon. Uh, she's in charge no matter where she is or the topical order of things. She knew everyone was waiting for her. She knew everyone was waiting to hear what she'd say. She relished in it. That's why she's called... She called everyone to dinner. I think she is just reasserting her authority for the first moment. Yeah, I wondered if it was some kind of like a, um, uh, you know, like an elders or like she's sort of the highest ranking societal uh, thing in terms of respect levels, you know, in some uh, cultures. There's sort of uh, the older, the older people in any situation uh, are sort of the top of the pecking order with, um, in terms of respect, and so anything that's a bit of a, like an honour to do, like calling people to the table, that falls automatically to them. I wondered if that might be the case. Not really sure. Greyboff said, "How exciting! I enjoyed Maya's brashness. I think she'll be a lot of fun to read." A fine lad, his father lies on his deathbed and he amuses himself, setting a policeman astride a bear. No holding back there. Nice to see Vera getting some love too. Berg, with tender smiles, was saying to Vera that love is not an earthly but a heavenly feeling. Bless his naivety. 
is so sweet. I imagine that all of this innocence will be something we look back on with some sadness later. I hope that German tutor gets his top up soon. Poor old German tutor. JJ Books said, Maya Dmitrievna is my idol. I love her confidence and correctness that all eyes are always on her. She has such a presence. I especially love that she only speaks Russian. It highlights the ridiculousness of everyone else speaking French, trying to seem more refined and dignified and high class. Girl, she doesn't need to seem anything. Uh, Warren Kovofi said, I have to give credit to Tolstoy in his ability to coordinate so well with so many characters in just a few pages. We have some new faces mixed in with familiar ones and he does it so efficiently. I really enjoyed the picture this chapter set in my mind. Um, I love a... I don't know what this trope is called, but the trope of getting a, a dinner table full of key characters together... And just having them all, all the sort of, all these main people just pop them on a table and have a scene where they just have a massive interaction. Um, it's done so well here. You see that in heaps of things, heaps of movies, TV shows, books, where, you know, they'll spend a few chapters or, you know, a hundred pages or so setting up a bunch of different characters and then they put them all at a dinner table together. Uh, one Eliza said, I noticed the pineapple they have. I didn't know pineapples became less expensive in Russia. I know in 1700s they were expensive. Yeah, you'd think a pineapple would be pretty expensive, although he did spend $1,000 on this dinner, 1,000 rubles, I should say, which is um, more than $1,000. I think that was like, I don't know, something like probably ten grand or something. Brainless Shooter said, I didn't know I needed someone like Maya until now with just these few pages. I absolutely adore her already. She's going to be a very interesting character to follow. Setting, every, setting of everyone at the dinner is fantastic. I'm sure the next chapter will be quite eventful. Yeah, I think the next chapter is um, the epic, epic, epic prank. Um, there's an epic, epic, epic prank coming up. Far more epic than tying a police officer to a bear and throwing them in a river. You wait till you see it. Um, George's Asamuli says there's one very notable line coming from Maya Dmitrievna. I'm really curious how it's translated in English. Could someone let me know? The second phrase she says to Pierre. Like I was telling the truth, even to your father when... Dot, dot, dot. Is this in the upcoming or... I think it's in the upcoming chapter. Anyway, carry on. Um, okay. Twisted Everywhere says, I have a headache today, so this chapter was irritating to me. I started to glaze over a little bit at the war talk by the gentleman. Maya would definitely probably scare me and irritate me in real life. It seemed rather rude to remark she the remark she made about Pierre. I mean, a true remark, but do you have to call him out in front of everyone? Yeah, that was a bit... Well, I think that's her reputation, though, isn't it? She's That's why they call her the dragon. She suffers no fools. Natasha made out with some nice ruby earrings, eh? I do love all the little random lines we get about background characters, like the German tutor wanting to remember all the dishes to write to his friends back home. Yeah, little details like that make the scene so much more vivid. Uh, I hope your headache gets better. Well, probably, I hope it is better by now, because you made that comment 15 hours ago. And I hope today's chapter was a little bit easier for you to read. 
Uh, Amy Lays said, I hope there will be much more. Amaya, she's awesome for now. I love how she told Pierre off without a problem. Also, she just came and asked to start the dinner like it's her house. Did anyone notice how Tolstoy randomly mentions they have a pineapple on the table? If I'm not mistaken, pineapples were super expensive then, and you only have it on the table to show off. The Rostovs don't go broke too soon. I hope the Rostovs don't go broke too soon. I like them as characters and they, and hope they don't come to too much hardship. Um, when you eat a pineapple, it is so good. <laughs> like I often forget how good a pineapple is. And then you just have some and you go, oh my God, what would this have been like before like candy existed? You know what I mean? Like before lollies was a thing and you could just have a pineapple. Oh, so good. Uh, and you know what we'll do here? We'll finish up by reading um, Zukov 17's summary. Rostov's party rages on. I think chapter 12 and 13 were flashbacks. Peter Shinshin and Lieutenant Berg get in a heated but lively debate about the about what service is better, infantry or cavalry, although the real news is Napoleon's declaration of war. The guests are enjoying the discussion as Pierre and Maya Dmitrievna Akrosimov arrive at the same time. Pierre makes his same social mistakes by parking his chair right in everybody's way, but Akrosimov commands attention. She is well-known, older, and apparently everybody respects her in an almost fearful way. She's a badass. She immediately jumps on Pierre for his behaviour with the bear while his father is sick. Meanwhile, Natasha and Boris are up to their usual flirting, but Natasha also seems to have noticed Pierre. And we've got a little line comparison here. Maud. Sometimes that same look... Oh, this is when Natasha's looking at Boris. Sometimes that same look fell on Pierre and that funny, lively little girl's look made him inclined to laugh without knowing why. Briggs. Sometimes this same gaze found its way to Pierre, and the look on that excited little girl's amused face made him feel like laughing too, though he couldn't have said why. P&V. She occasionally turned this same gaze to Pierre, and under the gaze of this funny, lively girl, he wanted to laugh himself without knowing why. And let's see if we can find the Ander Lewis one. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can find it. And it's not very entertaining for you to listen to me scrolling. Oh, I found it. Sometimes that very look found its way to Pierre, and that strange, lively little girl's look made him laugh, though he didn't know why. Pretty much the same. Cool. All right. Let's keep reading. Chapter 19. Is this the epic prank chapter? I suppose we'll read and find out. At the fella's end of the table, the conversation was becoming really rowdy. The colonel told them that the declaration of war was already arrived in Petersburg and that he'd seen a copy of it himself, one that was then forwarded by courier to the commander-in-chief. And why in shit's name are we going to fight Bonaparte? remarked Shinshin. He just put Austria in their place. Do we really want to be it to be our turn next? 
The colonel was a stocky bastard, tall with German blood in his veins, and he was sincerely devoted to the service and patri- patriotically Russian. He wasn't too pleased with Shinshin's comment. It's for the reason, my good sir, said he, speaking with a German accent, for the reason that the emperor knows that. His manifesto declares that he cannot view with indifference the danger threatening Russia and that the safety and dignity of the empire as well as the sanctity of its alliances. He spoke this last word carefully, emphasizing it as if it was the most important word of all. Then he used his characteristic perfect memory to repeat the exact opening words of the manifesto. And the wish which constitutes the Emperor's sole and absolute aim to establish peace in Europe on firm foundations has now decided him to dispatch part of the army abroad and to create a new condition for the attainment of that purpose. That, my friend, is why, he concluded, necking a tumbler of wine with pride and looking to the Count for approval. Cornesuve le proverbe. Do you know the proverb? Jerome, Jerome, do not roam, but turn spindles at home, said Shinjin, pushing his eyebrows together and smiling. C'est la nous convient à Merville. That suits us perfectly. Suvorov, now he knew what was going on. Still, they belted him a appellate couture, hollow, and where are our Suvorovs now? Je vous demande un peu. Let me just ask you that, said he, continually changing from French to Russian. We must wait to the last drop of plud, said the colonel, giving the table a thump, and we must tie for our emperor, and then all will be well. And we must discuss it as little as possible. He overcooked the word possible quite a bit. As possible. He ended, turning back to the Count. That is how the old hussars see it, and that is that. And what do you, a young man and a young hussar, reckon about it? He added, speaking to Nicholas, who had turned from his partner and focused his attention on the Colonel when he heard them talking about the war. I reckon the same as what you said, replied Nicholas, arcing up a bit, turning his plate round and moving his wine glasses about with as much importance and focus as if you were at that moment facing some great danger. I'm 100% sure that us Russians need to either die or conquer, he said, and immediately he felt awkward, knowing his words had been overly enthusiastic, and it was a bit obvious he was kissing the colonel's ass. Tee-hee, you are so clever, said his partner. Ah, oh, wait. Tee-hee, you're so clever, said his partner, Julie. Sonia shuddered with barely suppressed jealousy, blushing to her ears and behind them all down her neck and shoulders. Pierre listened to the colonel and nodded knowingly. Too right, he said. The young man's a true hussar, shouted the colonel, again giving the table a thump. Will you lot calm down over there? Maya Dmitrievna's deep voice suddenly streaked across from the other end of the table. What are you thumping and yelling about? she demanded of the hussar. And why are you getting all aggro? Are the French here or something? I am speaking the truth, replied the hussar with a smile. We're talking about the war, the Count shouted back down the table. 
you know, my boy's going, Maya, Maya Dmitrievna, my son, he's going. I have four sons in the army. You don't hear me yelling about it. It's out of our hands, Struth. You could die in your sleep, or God might have you survive a battle, replied Maya Dmitrievna's deep voice, which boomed across the table easily. True, true. The conversation separated again, the ladies at one end and the men's at the other. I bet you don't have the guts to ask. I bet, Natasha's young brother was saying. Yeah, watch this, replied Natasha. Her face suddenly flashed with bravado. Oh, here comes a prank. Here's prank central. Here we go. Her face suddenly flushed with bravado. She half rose, giving a wink to Pierre, an invitation for him to tune in to this little stunt, and then she turned to her mother, the cheeky shit, and said, Mama. Her voice rang out, husky and piercing, the whole table's attention nabbed in one. Yes, dear? asked the countess startled but seeing immediately that natasha was about to be a cheeky little shit she wagged her finger at her threateningly the table went silent mamma what's for dessert the balls on her were the size of pineapples the countess tried to frown but couldn't maya dmitrievna shook her big fat finger cossack she said threateningly the guests all looked at the elders unsure how to respond to this Watch yourself, Natasha, said the countess. Mama, answer me. We're ready for dessert. What are we having? Natasha again asked boldly. The saucy little prankster, confident that they would find this piss-taking amusing eventually. Sonia and the little fatty boomba Petcha pissed themselves laughing. See, told you I'd asked, she whispered to her little brother and to Pierre, glancing at him again. Ice pudding, said Maya Dmitrievna in response, and there will be none for you. Natasha could see that Maya was playing along, and with a truly massive set of knackers, braved even Maya Dmitrievna. Yuck! What kind, though? I'm not a fan of ice cream. Carrot flavour. Nah, really, tell me what kind, Maya Dmitrievna, what kind? She almost screamed. I want to know. Maya and the Countess cracked up laughing, and all the guests joined in. Everyone had a good old laugh, not at Maya Dmitrievna's answer, but at the smart Alec little girl who had dared to take the piss out of Maya Dmitrievna. Natasha only stopped when she was told at last that it would be pineapple ice. Champagne was served, and then the ices. The band struck up again. The Count and Countess kissed, and the guests, leaving their seats, went up to congratulate the Countess and reached across the table to cheers the Count, the children, and each other. Again, the footmen rushed facelessly about, chairs scraped, and in the same order in which they had entered, but with redder faces, the guests returned to the drawing room and to the Count's study. All right, there we go. Another chapter down, Natasha, epic prank, asking what's for dessert. I love how shocked <laughs> everyone was at that prank, uh, in contrast with Pierre tying a policeman to a bear and throwing them in a river. It seems like that can only really be trumped by asking what's for dessert. Epic prank, pranks of the Russian aristocracy. All right, tune in to tomorrow's episode of Epic Pranks of the Russian Aristocracy. Um, and uh, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye.